Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Pastor George, thank you for leading us. Can we just say amen for Pastor George and his ministry? Thank you for leading us. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Jackie, for, uh, for just allowing God to use your voice. Thank you to our musicians and to every camera person and tech person and audio person and all those who are involved. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for, for being here and for making this happen. To those who are with us online, we just want to welcome you. And we want to thank you for your presence, for tuning in, and for joining us. Uh, I was out of town last week um, with some friends in an undisclosed location doing godly things godly things in an undisclosed location, uh, but it's certainly good. It's certainly good to be back. We've been talking about, we've been talking about um, what are we here for? What on earth are we here for? And we're going to continue this theme. We've been in the book of Jeremiah and the book of Jeremiah is an extremely relevant book for us today. We might not think so, but it's an extremely relevant book. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, and we're going to walk through some scriptures. Father, as we open your word, open our hearts. In Jesus' name, let everyone who believes say amen and amen. Amen. So when, when I've, whenever I've read through the book of Jeremiah, I have always kind of breezed through it because I was like, I don't know what's going on in this book. Like this book, it, it literally, it literally feels like, it literally sounds like it was written by someone who was going through a lot in their life. Like, I don't know if anyone here journals. Do we got any journalers in the house? Anybody? We got a few, a few journalers a little bit, like a sometime journaler, you journal-ish, right? Every now and again. Um, sometimes you're going through just so much in your, in your world, in your life, that when you're writing in your journal, it's just like... There's very little coherence, and it's just jumping from one sentence to the next, and it just doesn't make sense. And when you go back and you read through it, you're like, you know what? What in the world was I going through during that season? And I feel like that's largely what's happening in the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah is writing this book, but it's like, bruh, like you are all over the place. And, and initially, when I was reading through this book, I thought it was me. I thought, like, well, maybe I'm just not spiritual enough. Like, that I don't understand what, like, Jeremiah is talking about. Maybe, maybe it's the King James Version. So let me get the New Living Translation. I got any New Living Translation people, message people? Yes. Some people are like, you know what, let me, let, me, let me water down. Let me dumb it down a little bit. I, I can't get the King James Version. So let me just water down. But even, like, the New Living Translation Version, like, if you read through Jeremiah, you're still like, what is this dude talking about? It's one of those books where Jeremiah is literally stressed out. And you can tell from his writing that he's stressed out. He's frustrated. He's upset. He's tired. He's burnt out. He's annoyed. He's fatigued. He is literally saying, you know what? I want to throw in the towel. I want to throw in the towel on God. 
I don't want to throw in the towel on God's people. I don't want to throw in the towel on my job. Do I got any witnesses in the house who've ever said, I'm ready to throw in the towel? Like, like we know what that means when, you know, the, the boxer is in the ring and the boxer is just getting worn out. You, anyone watch boxing in the house? The boxer is worn out. And when the boxer is worn out, um, you want the manager to throw in the towel. You literally want someone to step in and to say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And this is literally what Jeremiah is dealing with. How they come, please. Um, this is literally what Jeremiah is dealing with. He's dealing with this level of frustration in his life that he just doesn't know what is going on in his world. And he's like, God, what are you doing? And what are you wanting me to do? And so I feel like when I read the book of Jeremiah, it is literally a perfect book for so many of us today. Because in this book, I feel like we learn a whole lot of what God is trying to do in our lives in the situations that we find ourselves in. So, so when we dive into the book of Jeremiah, we've been here for the last two, three, four, two, three weeks, where we realize that the context is that Jeremiah is called by God to preach the gospel. Israel has already rebelled and Israel is doing their own thing. Judah is in the, in the process of rebelling and God's like, Jeremiah, I need you to go and I need you to preach to Judah and I need you to kind of reclaim them, bring them back to me, let them know that if they don't turn away, that they're going to be sent into Babylonian captivity. And Jeremiah's like, I don't want to preach these people, but if that's what you called me to do, fine, that's what I'll do. So Jeremiah goes out and he starts preaching. And what you quickly learn in the book of Jeremiah is that, and we dealt with this week one, is that God really has a unique call for all of our lives. Do I have a witness? Like, like I think that's a part of the relevance of this book is because some of us think as though that, that you're just here just to go through the motions. Some of us think that we're just here to we wake up and we punch the clock and we go through the motions and there's really nothing special, there's nothing unique, there's nothing dynamic about our lives. We're just kind of going through the motions. But yet what Jeremiah lets us know is that your life really is unique and that God does have a call on your life to do special and great and mighty things. I, I love how Paul says it, and we dealt with this a little bit week one, where in, in Ephesians in chapter two and verse 10, Paul says it like this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So, so what this teaches us, Jeremiah, fast forward to Paul, is that there is a call and there is a unique purpose for your life, that you're not here just to go through the motions. It's not just about taking care of your family and enjoying the niceties of life and, and then getting your retirement and then retiring and riding off in the sunset. But no, there's actually something very special and something very unique that God wants you to do in your life and that you are his workmanship. Say workmanship. You are his workmanship. You are called and created to do good works. And so when you think about that, Jeremiah is on the scene and God says, Jeremiah, I've called you to do something very special for me. And similarly, God has called us. And what I have come to really realize early on in my walk is that if we don't ever understand Sabrina or accept the fact that God has a calling on our lives, like that we will never really make it to, like, to first base. Like just picture it like a, a baseball diamond. That when you accept Christ, 
It's like you're at like in the batter's box. You're in, you're, you're, you're in, the, in the home plate. And the first base is you coming to the realization that you're unique. Like first base is you coming to the realization that you're special. First base is you coming to the realization that you're not just here to go through the motions. You're not just another person, but that God has a calling, a unique calling, a special calling on your life. Like that's first base. We have to get to that point where we understand that God has a calling on our life. Are you with me in here? I know there's a lot going on in the, in the room. Try to really tune in. God has a calling on your life that is bigger than your career, that is bigger than this church. It's bigger than your family, that God has something very special that he wants you to do for his kingdom. So that is literally First pace. I love how one author says it. Higher than the highest human thought is God's plans for his people. I mean, can you really picture that? That you, you think about, you know, the, the good life that you want to live and whatever that good life might be. But God says, literally, Ash, higher than whatever you can think for your own life is my plan for your life. Like, I, I want you to get that. That whatever's on your vision board, right? Anybody in here have a vision board? No vision boards in the house? Oh, pastor, we got to work. We got to work with our people. Whatever's on your mental vision board, like whatever's on your bucket list, like higher than whatever's on your bucket list, right? It might be uh, 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 <laughs> uh, hiking from Mexico to Canada. <laughs> like whatever's on your bucket list, God's like, listen, I'm a 10 exit right? That higher than the highest human thought. It might just be, I know we had some people last week who went to the Grand Canyon and they marked hike 20 hours. Like, yo, I salute you, right? God's like Mexico, Canada, brother. <laughs> you thought 20 hours was something, Mexico to Canada, <laughs> right? Right. That whatever you're thinking about that you want to accomplish in life, God is saying 10 exit. Higher than whatever you can imagine, God wants to do more. But the first base is understanding that God has called me. We think about calling as it pertains to the preacher. God's called the preacher. But I'm just, I'm just a construction worker. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a nurse. I'm just, you know, I'm just a, 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 a musician. Like, I'm just, I'm just a, 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 a CPA. Like, 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 the preacher's called, but I'm just, I'm just this, you know, this uh, admin assistant. No, 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 no. Like, the calling on my life is not any different or unique or stronger than the calling on your life. Right? That all of us... God has called. First base, he's called us. Second base is when you get to the point where you say, you know what? I need to stop living according to someone else's call. Okay, let me say it differently. Like, like a lot of people, we try to live the life of someone else. Right, the dream that we see someone else, whether it's the dream from social media or from media or from our parents, we try to live up to someone else's standard. We dealt with this in week two. And, 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 and what I want you to do is to understand that because you're unique and because you are called, that God has a very special purpose and plan for your life, which is different from everyone else's. That, that he has a, that you have a voice that he wants you to discover. 
That he has, you have a voice and a personality and, a, and gifting that he wants you to flush out and to really learn that this is who you uniquely are. From my life, I know, uh, George, you've probably been there before. JB, you've probably been there before. As pastors, um, early on in our life, so much of, of, of our preaching f- formulation development is us trying to be like another preacher. Right. Like I can remember vividly, like listening to some of like the great preachers in my day, like the like the James Doggett's or the C.D. Brooks or these great preachers that I've always looked up to. And I've tried to write sermons like them. And even when I would get up to preach, I would try to like talk like them and do runs like them. And like even like, you know, carry myself, my mannerisms like them. Because I feel like, man, let me just try to be like this person. Let me try to emulate what, like, they have people are really responding to them. Maybe if I act like this and I preach like this, then people respond to me too. And God has to, has, has to remind me literally over and over again, even till today, that you are a unique person. You have a unique voice. Don't try to be like someone else. You got to be yourself right? You have to be yourself. Can you just look at yourself and say, you got to be me? I got to be me. I got to be me, right? I can't be anybody else. I have to be me. So second base, first base is you realizing that you have a call. Second base is you realizing that your call is unique and that you can't be like anyone else. And so this is where Jeremiah is. Jeremiah has accepted the call of God, Jeremiah has started preaching. He's literally, Shelly, he's literally doing what God told him to do, Jackie. He's like, you know what? If you want me to preach, I don't think I'm qualified. I'm young. I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not, people might not respect me, but if that's what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And guess what happens? He fails. He fails, Sabrina, miserably over and over And over and over again, he fails to the point where Jeremiah is like, hold on, you told me to preach. I didn't tell me to preach. You called me into this. I didn't come. You called me. I told you I didn't want to do this, but you still made me do this. Why am I failing? Okay, let's just go to the text and look at it. Like Jeremiah chapter 19, Jeremiah chapter 19. Verse one, the New Living Translation. Uh, This is what the Lord said to me, right? So this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy clay jar, then ask some of the leaders of the people of the priest to follow you. Go out through the gate of broken pots to the garbage dump in the valley of Ben-Hanan and give them this message. So Jeremiah is about to preach a message that God gave him to preach. Are y'all with me? Jeremiah didn't come up with this message. He didn't write this sermon. He didn't want to write this sermon. He got this sermon straight from God. Say to them, verse 3, listen to this message from the Lord, you kings of Judah and citizens of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord of heaven, the Lord, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, I will bring a terrible disaster on this place and the ears of those who hear about it will ring. So Jeremiah <laughs> is preaching the word that God told him to preach. Fast forward to Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 1. Let's see who, how many people come down for the appeal, right? Now, what was just the message that God told him? 
I'm about to bring some disaster up on this place. You would think that that would bring repentance, right? If the prophet of the Lord, if I stood before you and said, God's about to curse you and your kids and your kids' kids and, and, and you, you check your app right now, Bank of America, ain't no money in it. God's taking all your money. He's drying you up. There's going to be worms in your food when you get home. Like if that was a message I preached to you today, I would think that someone in the house of God would respond and say, what must I do to be saved? Like, like Lord, please give me my money back. Lord, please like, like restore my cupboards. Like, you would think that they would respond positively. But look at Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 1. Well, look what happens. Now, Peshur, son of Emar, the priest in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard what Jeremiah was prophesying. So he did what? He did what? Come on now, talk to me. He did what? Is it on the screen? Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 1. Uh, 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 now, Peshar, son of Emar, the priest in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard what Jeremiah was prophesying. So he did what? There it is. So he arrested Jeremiah the prophet. He arrested Jeremiah the prophet, had him whipped and put in stocks at the Benjamin gate of the Lord's temple. This is how the people respond to Jeremiah's message. Jeremiah realizes that, that God has called me, but the people are not responding with what God has called me to do. In fact, in fact, not are they just not responding, but they have literally taken me, arrested me, whipped me, and put me in prison for what I just preached. But I only preach what the Lord told me to preach. As I was reading this text this week, it became increasingly clear to me that there are some things that God will call us to do that will succeed. And then there are some things that God will call us to do that will fail. And we have to stop assuming that everything God calls us to do will automatically succeed at because God called us to do it. There are so many times in my own personal life where I have not wanted to do what God called me to do because in my mind, I kind of thought, you know what, I'm probably going to fail at that, so let me just not do it. Let me just be honest. There are many times, and I'm sure I'm not alone, where it's like God is calling you to do something. He's calling you to step out. He's calling you to walk by faith. He's calling you to make that call, to, to talk to that person, to end that relationship. He's calling you to start that relationship. He's calling you to give that money. He's calling you to do something, to transition into another career. But you're hesitant and you refuse and you, you, you are, you're just a little slow on the draw because you feel in your spirit, in your mind that, you know what, this probably won't be successful. And what we have to do as we grow in Christ is we, ne we, we have to get to that point where we do not judge the call of God on our life based on whether or not we believe we will succeed. Let me say that again because I want it to sink in. We have to get to the point where we do not judge the call of God on our life based on whether or not we believe we will succeed. Because if you do that, you will ultimately miss out sorely on what God is trying to do in your life. You will miss out. And so this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah is like, you know what? I did what you called me to do, but I failed. So much so that in verse 7 
of chapter 20. Remember, he just was put in prison. In verse 7 of chapter 20, Jeremiah says, Oh Lord, you misled me. And I allowed myself to be misled. You, you are stronger than I am and you overpower me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out, violence and destruction. I shout, so these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. Jeremiah is at that point where he's like, God, I did what you told me to do. I didn't want to do it. You told me to do it. I failed. Now I'm frustrated. Have you been frustrated? In your life, you feel like you're trying to follow the Lord. You're trying to do what God has called you to do. You're trying to live according to his purpose and his plan for you. It's not working out and you're just frustrated. Jeremiah knows exactly how you feel. Many of us, we feel the same way. There are some times, even as the pastor of this church, where I'm just straight up frustrated. Can I talk about it? Oh, y'all don't want me to be real up in this place. I'm just, let me just talk to the folk online. Let me just talk to the folk online. <laughs> my, my, my brothers and sisters online, there's sometimes I'm just frustrated. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? What, what do you want me to, I'm doing what you told me to do, right? I'm not talking to these people. I'm talking to you online. I'm doing what you told me to do. God, why are we not seeing what we feel like we should be seeing? Because we're doing what we told you to do. Like there are a lot of times, there have been many times I've been sitting on that front row where I've been even standing up here preaching and I've been having a running conversation with myself in my mind. Like, God, what are you doing right now? And there are many times in your Christian walk where you will get there. You will get to the point where you will be following God and you won't be experiencing what you believe you should be experiencing and it will leave you frustrated. Jeremiah was frustrated, and if you're honest with yourself, all of us have been there, I'm sure, at one point or another, where we tried to lead the school, and it was like, God, I'm doing what you told me to do. You called me here. I felt like you placed me here. God, why is this situation not better than what it should be? God, I'm doing everything you told me, and it still seems like hell is breaking loose. Not enough resources, not enough staff, not enough commitment, not enough support, not enough tuition. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> or we're on our jobs and we're like, God, I'm, I'm trying to lead my family in worship and I'm, you know, we're faithful in our giving and we try to be nice people and, and generous and it just seems like we can't catch a break. What is going on? This is what Jeremiah is experiencing and Jeremiah, though, he says something that is very interesting. He says, Lord, you misled me. He says, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. He says, you overpowered me, and now I am the, a laughingstock of the entire nation. And yet what's interesting to me is that God never promised Jeremiah that the people would listen to him. God never said, Jeremiah, go and go preach and the entire nation will repent. 
God never said, Jeremiah, go preach and the entire nation will get baptized and they'll come back to me and, they'll, and their hearts will be one and they'll listen to you. No, no, God never promised. In fact, if you go back to Jeremiah in chapter one, I want to just read for you what God actually said to Jeremiah, right? Because I think Jeremiah has short-term memory. In Jeremiah chapter one and verse uh, 17, look, look what God says to him. In verse 17, he says, get up. And prepare for action, he says. Uh, Go out and tell them everything I tell you to say. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of them, or I will make you look foolish in front of them. Now, look what he says. For see today, I made you strong like a fortified city, verse 18, that cannot be captured like an iron pillar on a bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, the kings, the officials, the priests, and the people of Judah, verse 19, they will fight you. God tells Jeremiah, they will fight you, but they will fail. For I am the Lord, I am with you, and I will take care of you. I have spoken. God tells Jeremiah, you will, you will find yourself in some mess, but don't, don't take it personal. Don't take the failure personal because when you follow the call of God and you experience opposition in your life it is not personal and you have to get to the point in your own spirit in your own emotional maturity where you can say God you know what I'm doing what you called me to do it's not working out the way I thought it would work out God I'm just going to trust that you're still going to work this thing out I'm going to trust that I'm not going to throw in the towel on you. I'm not going to turn around. I'm not going to give in, God. I'm going to continue to walk with you and just believe that, you know what? You know exactly what I need, and you'll provide everything I need right when I need it. Jeremiah, what Jeremiah did is he, he infused success into the call of God. He said, because God has called me, that must mean I will be successful. But just because God has called you, Captain Peel, does not mean you will be or experience success in the thing that God has called you to experience. I mean, let's just take, for example, Moses. God called Moses, did he not? And yet Moses had drama every single day of his life. I mean, take, for example, Abraham. God called Abraham, did he not? Right. And Abraham still had challenges all along the way. Take, for example, Paul. And I I love Paul because Paul actually gives us a record of his drama. Right. It's actually in Second Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to read it for you. I I hope it's going to be on the screen. Second Corinthians chapter 11. And this is from the message version. Now, we know who Paul is, the apostle. He wrote half the New Testament. Right. Mighty man of God, preacher. Look what Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I've worked much harder. I've been jailed more often. I've been beaten up more times than I can count. I've been at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with the Jews. Uh, uh, I've been flogged five times with the Jews. 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in the open sea for a night and a day, uh, in hard traveling, uh, in, in hard traveling year in and year out. I've had to, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with 
with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at the country, endangered by the desert, sun and sea, storm and betrayed by those who I thought were my brothers, he says. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, come on now, blistered by the cold, naked to the weather, and that's not the half of it. When you throw in the daily pressure and anxieties of all the churches I deal with. But Paul was called. He was called and yet he still went through a whole lot of craziness. And the, here, here you and I come with our first world problems. Talking about I had a flat tire this week. God, what you doing? Oh, my car broke down. My AC in my car don't work. It's 90 degrees. God, don't you know I need AC? What you doing? All right, we, we experience a moment of unemployment and we're ready to give up on God. We experience a moment of difficulty and we're ready to throw in the towel. One person doesn't like us. So we got a few friends who unfollow us on social media and we're ready to just, to just to renege and say, you know what? Well, maybe it wasn't worth it. We get a few people who laugh at us at school and say that we're no longer in their cool group. And for some reason, we feel like, you know what? Maybe this God thing wasn't worth it. I mean, you and I, we really deal with first world trouble. Anybody in here been shipwrecked? Any in here, anybody in here been beaten with rods? Anybody in here been pummeled with stones? Right? And yet Paul says, you know what? I bear in my body the marks of my Savior. For Paul, it was almost as if he said, this is my badge of honor. That I've missed some meals. We missed some meals and we're ready to go do Uber. Let me just go ahead and just, this preaching thing ain't working out, JB. Let me just go do Uber. Right? Brother got to eat. We, we go through a hard time and we ready just to give up on God. And all I want you to understand is that when you understand that God has a call on your life, that call on your life does not mean that you won't go through some stuff. You will go through some things. Everyone who has ever been called has gone through things. We need to be grateful that we live in this day and age where I believe the things that we go through ain't half of what they went through. Right? We got some technological advances that help us, JB, to buffer the drama and to buffer the trials and to buffer the situation. But understand that conflict and crisis and challenge and and issues are a part of the call. Everyone has gone through some things. We got to get this. So God's calling on your life and God's calling on my life is not always a call into success. It's not always a call into prosperity. It's not always a call into financial peace university. <laughs> Sometimes it's a call into some drama. But, but it's not for the drama's sake that God is sending you through this situation. No, for many of us, when God calls us, he's actually calling us out of something. He's calling us out of our comfort He's calling us out of our complacency. He's calling us out of our life of compromise and Laodicea where we are kind of like lukewarm. Sometimes we're with God. Sometimes we're not with God. God is calling us out of these things. 
And the sooner you can accept in your life and the sooner I can accept in my life that conflict and crisis and trials comes with the call, the sooner we will be able to expedite the plan of God for our lives and realize that this thing isn't personal, that God is doing some things in my life that are bigger than me, that I have more implications than what I'm going through, I'm going to trust God through the call. Do I have a witness? So this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah is in prison. And Jeremiah's like, God, you misled me. This, this ain't right. This is not what I signed up for. I'm changing my major, God. <laughs> I was at Oakwood, changed my major. <laughs> I was like, no, this preaching thing. Right. I didn't get I didn't get asked to preach on the circuit. Right? I was like, no, let me go be a Bible teacher. No shade to Bible teachers. No shade. No shade. Like, let me go be a Bible teacher. Right. Let me go do something else. This preaching thing ain't for me. Change my major. Right. God was like, no, go ahead and move your hips right on back to theology. But Jeremiah's like, you know what? This thing ain't working out. I'm out. And then Jeremiah gets to this point in verse nine of chapter 20, where Jeremiah literally says, I said to myself, I will never mention the Lord. Like, Jeremiah is one of those guys. I'm kind of like Jeremiah. My wife will tell you. Like, like if my wife does something, I'll be like, you know what? Fine. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to look at you ever again. Like, kind of dramatic. Just, we, we playing. But I'm just kind of like one of those guys. Like, fine. I'll never eat again from this house. I'll be like, Holly, can you make me something to eat? Oh, I'm real busy. Fine. I'll just never eat again. <laughs> like, one of those. Jeremiah's like that. He's like, listen, listen. I'm, just, I'm never going to mention you again, God. Never going to mention you again. And God's like, why are you so dramatic? Why are, you, why are you so dramatic? Like, like, chill out, calm down, it's not that deep. Jeremiah says, I will never mention you again. I will never speak your name. Fine, I'm leaving. But then Jeremiah says, but I can't because I love you too much. <laughs> he says, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones and I am worn out trying to hold it in and I cannot. Jeremiah's like, I, I don't like what the call is causing me to experience the pain that is causing me to experience. But if I don't preach, I'm going to experience more pain by not preaching than I'm going to experience by preaching. Like, like Jeremiah really got bit by that calling bug where he realized, I, like, this is what you have called from a young age. You've called me to do this. I cannot not do it. But God, I just want to let you know, I don't like doing it because it's uncomfortable. This is, this is a level of maturity that I think God wants a lot of us to get to. Where we can be real with God and say, God, this ain't, this ain't, it doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. But I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue to follow you. I'm going to continue to hold on. Even if it means I fail. Are you at that level where you are willing to say, God, I'm going to follow you even if it means I fail? Like, like, even if it means I don't get the job, even if it means it doesn't work out, even if it means I don't get the promotion, God, I'm still willing to follow. That is a hard word. 
And yet this is where God is calling us to be spiritually mature, where we understand there is a call on my life that is bigger than me. And even if it doesn't work out the way I would like it to work out, God, I'm still going to walk this road you have placed me on. So Jeremiah, he says, God, I'm going to keep preaching. But then he like goes back, like in verse 14, he's like, yet I curse the day I was born. <laughs> May no one ever celebrate the day of my birth. No more birthday parties for me. He says, I curse the messenger, verse 15, I curse the messenger who told my father the good news that you have a son. Like he's seriously dramatic, right? Let him be destroyed like the cities of old that the Lord overthrew without mercy. Terrify him all day with battle shouts because he did not kill me at birth. You hear what he's saying? Right, Jeremiah is plagued. Oh, that I have died in my mother's womb, that her body had been my grave. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble and sorrow and shame. Like this is Jeremiah's drama that he is going through. And yet he kept on preaching. He kept on preaching to the point where if you keep reading in chapter 21, the people finally repent. And you would think, oh, great, Jeremiah has done his job. The people finally repent. They finally listen to the messenger of God. Jeremiah has fulfilled his calling. And so the people come to Jeremiah and they say, Jeremiah, we're sorry. Tell the Lord we, we, we're sorry. Tell the Lord we will do whatever he wants us to do. We're coming. We're repenting, Jeremiah. We've listened to your message. God, Jeremiah, may the Lord have mercy on us. And Jeremiah's like, really? You're listening to me? Okay, great. Let me go back and relay that to God. So Jeremiah goes back and says, God, they repent. They've turned from their wicked way. And God says, too late. God says, too late. God says, no, 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 no. Disaster is coming upon them. Jeremiah comes back to the people, and Jeremiah's like, ah, sorry, guys. It's not going to work out for you. But, Jeremiah says, you can live if you surrender to the Babylonians. If you fight the Babylonians, you will die. But this is God's promise. Because you refuse to listen to me all those years, God is going to send you into captivity. But if you, if, but if you, if you, if you go willingly into captivity, you will live. And Judah is marched off into captivity. You would think, God, what are you doing? Like, you called me to preach. You called me to preach them to repentance. They finally repent. And now after they repent, you're telling them it's too late? Like, this is my call. I've done. It's almost like Jonah. You told me to go to preach to Nineveh. I preached and the city repented and yet you still destroyed them? God, what are you doing? Not only did they get taken to Babylonian captivity, but in their own anger and frustration that God did not accept their repentance, they said, Jeremiah, you coming with us. And they put him in chains and they carried him off into Babylonian captivity with him. And Jeremiah spent his days in captivity, still preaching repentance to the people. And I say to myself, I say to myself, I say to myself, what, what's the point? What's the point of accepting the call of God on your life if it's not going to somehow lead to greener pastures? What's the point, JB, of becoming a preacher if one day, God, you're not going to give me a pulpit? 
What's the point of, of surrendering my heart to you, God, if I still have to experience foreclosure? What's the point of, 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 of making a decision to commit my family to family worship if my wife still leaves me? God, what's the point? I've accepted the call, but what are you doing? My life is still crumbling right before me. The point of accepting God's calling on your life is not to lead you into green pastures. Now, sometimes it works out that way. And a lot of times it works out that way, right? But understand that God's call on your life is really not about God's call on your life. It's not about you. It's not about your success, your comfort, your happiness, your pleasure. No, 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 no. God's call is saying, listen, I want, to, I want you to be a part of something that I'm doing that's bigger than you. And sometimes it will work out, and sometimes it won't work out. But it's not about what's happening to you. It's about my kingdom and my name and my glory. I just want to know, are you going to be faithful to the call? So this is the point. As I close in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul tells us the point. Paul tells us the point. Paul says, for I have already been poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What you notice Paul doesn't say is I was successful. <laughs> I, 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 the, I, everywhere I preached, they accepted Jesus. Paul doesn't say that. Paul doesn't say everyone I talked to repented because they didn't always repent. Paul didn't say I built hundreds of churches every place I went. No, he didn't build hundreds of churches everywhere he went. We just read Paul's experience that he was beaten and shipwrecked and stoned and hungry and misled like that. Paul went through some stuff. The point of accepting the call is not to lead you into green pastures, but so that it's at the end of your life, you can be able to stand before God and say like Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge has prepared for me on that day. That is the point. That when you say, God, I accept the calling that you have on my life, it's not a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Go directly to go and collect, was it $300? $200? It's been a while. No. The call of God is that you can be a part of something that's bigger than your life. And at the end of your life, whether you're on your deathbed or you're looking up and seeing Christ come through the clouds of glory, you can look up and say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. There is a crown of righteousness in store for me. I promise you, it won't always work out. I promise you, you will go through some stuff. In fact, Paul tells us that much when he says, all those who would live godly will go through tribulation. 
You shall suffer. He says, you shall suffer persecution. It won't always be green pastures. There will be some valleys. There will be some, some struggle. There will be some battles. There will be some tears. There will be some frustrations and fatigue and burnout and wanting to throw in the towel. But if you hold on and say, God, you've called me. I'm stepping into who you have called me to be. I trust that whatever the outcome is, is it is going to be well with my soul. And I can say, I have finished my race. What I want you to do is to not conflate the call of God with success. And what I want you to do is to be willing to say, God, for better or for worse, sickness or in health, I want to accept the call that you have for my life. I want to be called as, a, as, a, as an apostle, as a prophet, as a teacher. God, you've called me to be an evangelist. I know I'm a nurse, but I'm, my true calling is an evangelist. God, I know I'm a teacher, but you've called me to be a preacher. God, I know that I, you know, I, just, I stay at home with my kids, but God, you've called me into this. So no matter where I am, no matter what my career is, my calling transcends my career. So I can be bagging groceries at Target and still living my calling. I can be cutting hair at the barber shop, styling hair at the beauty shop and living my calling. I could be helping patients and be living my calling. I could be typing emails and filing court reports and living my calling. My calling is much greater than my career. And what I want you to do is accept that God has a call on your life. He has a call on your life. And that when you accept it, when you say, God, reveal to me what that call is, he will usher you into it. He'll begin to unfold his plan. And it won't always make sense, and you might not know the next step, but you will be able to have confidence in the moment that you are following the path of God for your life. So I want to make an appeal for you to accept God's call. You want to accept God's call. You might say, I, God, I don't even, Pastor, I don't even know what it is, but I want God to reveal to me. I've been working this job thinking that, you know what, this is the extent of my life. I'm just punching the clock. I'm just collecting a check, building up retirement so I can retire and buy a boat and, and, and spend time with my family and kid, my kids and grandkids. But maybe there's something greater. Maybe, maybe my call is infused in that. And somehow, God, you want me to use this boat for your glory. Maybe somehow my job, you place me here because there's something that you want me to accomplish. God, would you just reveal, would you show it to me? If you want God to reveal the call he has on your life, just stand with me. I want to pray for you. And those who are online, if you want to accept that God has a call for your life, just put it in the chat right now. I want to accept that God has a call. God, reveal to me the call you have. Just put that in the chat. Reveal to me, God. Reveal to me. Reveal to me. We're standing in this place. Father, right now, we just lift up our, our, our hearts to you and we say, God, we just ask that you would, in a real sense, reveal the call that you have upon us. The same way that you call Jeremiah at a very young age to be a prophet, to be a spokesperson to Judah, God, would you give us similar clarity that we could know that even though we might 
be a truck driver. There's our, our call is embedded in that career that it is much bigger than just driving trucks. Even though, God, we might just we might just be working at a restaurant. God, our calling is much greater than that, that is embedded and it transcends what we're doing in that moment. God, reveal to your people individually, specifically, what our unique call is. Lord, my, I'm talking to people who desire to be in relationship with you. And now they're saying, God, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm at the batter's box. I'm in relationship with you, God. I want to get to first base. I want to know this is what you've called me to do. And I want to be of, of a mind that no matter how hard, no matter how troubling, no matter how painful, no matter how much I must sacrifice, no matter what's going on, God, I'll be willing to give it all to follow you. I'll be willing to lay it all down follow you God this is this is our prayer God there may be someone here who says you know what I want to accept Christ as my Savior I want to accept Christ as my Savior I want to I want to prepare my heart for baptism we have a few people who were already preparing for baptism and there may be someone else who says you know what I, I want to get baptized or maybe you're saying I want to get rebaptized. I've I've left the church I've left Christ but I'm coming home and you might want to say I want to come home I want to come home I want to come home you want to accept Christ you're going through baptism and through rebaptism just raise your hand and maybe even in the chat you can just raise your hand you can reach out to us, see ya. Want to accept Christ through baptism. Say, you know what, I want to make my calling and election sure. I see you, brother. Somebody else says, I just want to get baptized or rebaptized. I'm just going to hold the appeal just for a few seconds. Father, you, you're moving in this place, you're moving online. God, my prayer is that you would, that you would just speak to your people. That every person under the sound of my voice today, tomorrow, if they're watching it the next week, a next month from now, a year from now, God, whenever they're listening and watching this, that they might hear your voice very clearly say to them, this is what I have called you to do. May we have that clarity and if we lack that clarity, God, may we not relent. May we not give in. May we not throw in the towel. May we not stop pursuing you until we discover with crystal clarity, this is who God has called me to be. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for being a God that, that doesn't leave us out on our own. You are constantly walking with us, talking with us, sharing your word with us, speaking to us. You are not one who is short on words, God. We are short on hearing, God. And we thank you that you have spoken to us today. Continue to let your word permeate our hearts and draw us into a deeper walk with you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Let everyone who believes say amen. Come on now, let's say amen. And amen. Amen, amen, amen.